Hi, everyone. Welcome to Snarky with Mike Feeney. I'm your host, Malcolm Gladwell. If you've made it this far, you're in for a treat. This is the premiere episode of my podcast. I'm very excited about it. I have uh, made myself a cocktail here, so all you, all you audio listeners, you'll be able to hear that going on, a little ASMR for you going on. And what this podcast is going to be is going to be a lot of I mean, there's no other way to there's no other way to say it. It's it's complaining. I will be doing a lot of complaining. Sometimes I like to say the word rant because that sounds like a funny, artistic interpretation. It's complaining. It's just gonna be me saying stuff that I don't care for, and it's gonna. This is gonna eventually. If I do this for long enough, it'll turn into a get off my lawn podcast. But for now, it's gonna be like, isn't this weird that no one thinks like I do? Kind of a thing, but. It's going to be a great podcast. I'm excited about it. I don't do this alone. I'm doing it with my host and uh, my co... I was going to say host. You're not the host. You're the co-producer. You're the only producer. I was going to call you a co-producer. I've named your title wrong six times. You're the producer. And uh, you're Nicole Lyons. Hi, Nicole. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm having a breakdown already, apparently. <laughs> and we, I haven't drank. I haven't done anything yet. But... This will be fun. This is like the first episode. It's kind of like the test buggy pilots. We might have already recorded a test episode, and now we decided to scrap it because maybe we got too drunk during it, and then it was just me talking even faster than now. So what I will have every day, uh, every episode, is a cocktail. And for today, the first episode, I felt like, you know what? I wanted to keep it light. I wanted to keep it fun, light, and airy. It's a nice fall, crisp day outside. So I went with the Aperol Spritz, just a classic Easy day drinking drink. I got myself some Prosecco, a little bit of Aperol, club soda, three ingredients. That's all you need. I made one for Nicole in a similar fishbowl style. So, uh, you know, we're going to see if the quality of the show takes a, a tremendous dip about halfway through, you'll know why. Or even better, if it goes in the other direction, you'll know that I'm best when I'm a little bit drunk and maybe Nicole's best that way too. So, Cheers to you guys, and thanks for watching, and um, let's start the show that's already started. Uh, again, you guys can also send in things that you would like me to rant about, because I'm realizing very quickly that I won't have enough topics in a given week to rant about, complain about. So you can send them to me, you know my social media, at I am Mike Feeney on Across Everything. Or you can send them in an email to snarkypodcast at gmail.com. People uh, on our Patreon, because we've been doing it a little early for the Patreon members, they've been giving great suggestions, like people that walk across a crosswalk with their AirPods in when they don't have the right of way and the other light's green and they kind of take their time. All those little modern day, everyday annoyances, that's the stuff I want you. Whatever annoys you, you reach out, you tell me about that. But unless it's about me. If you're like, here's the things that annoy me, about you, Mike Feeney. I don't want to hear it, all right? Keep that shit to yourself. This is a... I Only I am, am getting rid of the negativity. You guys can relate in that, you know? I think that's where we'll bond as a group, is you'll be like, oh my God, that annoys me too. But if it starts becoming personal, well, then you can just take a walk and you get the hell right out of here. So I have... I have a little... I have a, I have a docket, a, a docket of things I'm going to say. Some of this I may not get to, and some I may get to. but. I'm going to mix in some stories of things that happened. And this seems like the perfect lead off to a podcast that's hosted by Mike Feeney because it is just a classic thing that would happen to me. I'm walking in New York City and 
you know, I see a homeless guy, you know, where, where I see them, okay? I don't just, I, I don't just, I acknowledge them. But what I like to do when I see a homeless person and they ask for money because, you know, they will, uh, is I like to throw in, it's the only time I get religious, I go, God bless. Because if you say God bless to a homeless person when they ask for money, there's really nothing they can say back to that, you know? Like, there's nothing, and a lot of times they'll reciprocate the God bless, which is nice. You always want a good, if I can catch a free God bless, I'll take it. Sometimes I'll sneeze in a public place, and or I'll cough, I should say, I'll cough in a public place, and people will think it's a sneeze, and they'll say God bless, and I just take that blessing. I just, I just kind of take it and personally store it for when I need a blessing, but I don't go and tell them, oh, no, sorry, that was actually, that was actually a cough. If you're one of those people, by the way, and someone sneeze, you think someone sneezes, so you say, God bless you. And then you're a person who goes, no, 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 no. It was actually just a cough. Get out of here. Just get out. I mean, there's no, I don't have a, a, a fun way to say, we don't like you, okay? Like, this is one of those things when you, you, you had these kids that you thought were your friends in middle school, and then you ran up to them on the playground, and you're like, what are we doing today? And they go, we don't like you, Michael. And then you have to go make new friends. And that's the experience we've all had, correct? So that's, um, you know, that was a story within a story. So I see the homeless guy and the homeless guy asks for money. And I go, sorry, man, God bless. Perfect, right? He comes back with, cool, guess I'll just stay hungry then. Which, fuck you, okay? Here's the thing. You don't get to do that, all right? You don't get to guilt me. You're already guilting me by your very presence of being a homeless man and asking for money. I understand there's a level of pride that it took you to have to ask for money. There's shame. I'm aware. I feel shame seeing the, the, the humility that you have to have to, to ask me. I get it. But don't be like, guess I'll stay hungry then, because here's the thing. Of course I had some money, and he knows I had some money. I don't had I didn't have a ton of money, but what are the odds people walking around cashless? You know, I mean you gotta have something, have a couple bucks, something like that. But if I start giving a dollar out to every homeless person, next thing you know, I'm gonna be a homeless man myself asking for money. It's just a vicious cycle, you see. So I pick and choose my spots, but a part of me wanted to be like, you know what? Here's a 50, and then light it on fire in front of them. How about that? How about I go get $50 worth of Chinese food, which I think is like the entire restaurant, and then come back and throw it on the ground? Is that a, is that a bad thing? I feel like that guy maybe wasn't homeless long enough. You know? Maybe that was like his first day of being homeless. Do you ever think about that, Nicole? Do you ever think about somebody who's so new to homeless, like, they ha- someone has to be their first, hey, do you have, can you spare a dollar? Like, there's always a, a passerby that has to be their first, uh, what is the word? Like, uh, beg? <laughs> what's, what's the word for that? I was thinking gig, but that also feels wrong. Yes. But I do think about that sometimes when I see people, like, performing on the train, um, what their first what their first experience with that is like. Yeah, I mean, performing on the train, that's its own separate nightmare, and one that I don't, I I mean, again, going off that, there was, you know, in New York City, very popular thing is like the showtime, which is it'll be like a group of teenagers and they'll be like, showtime, showtime, showtime. And they just distract the whole cart and they'll all kind of take turns breakdancing. And the one that I saw was a guy 
who, you know, the first guy came in and was, you know, doing a little break dancing and like, you know, made his knees buckle and all that other stuff. And by the way, they're doing this on a subway, a moving subway. So it's it's impressive, okay? The next person grabs the poles and does like a backflip on it without kicking anybody in the face, which is always awesome. Another person's like holding upside down on the pole. They're all doing and then the last guy, the headliner of you, if you will, of this comes out and he takes his hat and he flips it in the air and catches it on his head and was like, Meh? like as if to be like, that's, that's it. The piece de resistance. This is it. Nothing gets better than that. Right. And that's where you wanted to go. Hey man, uh, I get what you bring to the table. You got to go first. You know, you, you're not, you're not a headliner yet. You know, the hat trick is not, that much of one like i i think if i threw my hat up in the air three times i could make it land on my head at least twice okay and i couldn't do a backflip on a moving subway over a pole that should be the headline you know but then i could tell it was like you know when you could just see rift with a group of people i could tell that that guy probably was a little insecure about his thing and was like hey my like can i try closing out the show once or twice and everyone's like just just give it to him, man. He needs this. And they're like, all right, yeah, go ahead and do it. And then once the end, like not everybody kind of, they were like, you know, whatever. They, and they got off the subway piss. And you could tell right afterwards was a business meeting of like, never again. We're never doing the hat thing again last. You, you start, that's how you get everyone's attention. And then the big boys come to play, you know? So um, thank you for reminding me of that, Nicole. But yeah, what a what a crazy thing about that homeless guy, though. Am I wrong? I mean, am I an asshole for being offended that he was an asshole? No, I mean, I feel like at that point you can't be picky about that. I think you're completely in the right. Yeah, begging is a game of numbers. That's all that is. You have to ask 100 people to probably make $5, you know? And that's, you know, not bad if you're just laying on the ground being like, hey, by the way, you got a buck, you got a buck, you got a buck. That doesn't say take much to say. but. I feel like if I was homeless, I'd be a good homeless guy. You know? What's your uh, ideal technique that you have cooking up? Well, you got to go. You, I mean, ironically, and I, I mean, I'm going to sound. And throughout this whole podcast, however many episodes this go, I will regularly contradict myself and make myself look like an asshole within the same episode. So what I was just about to say was you got to go the guilt route, which I'm realizing now is exactly what i'm mad at but i don't mean guilt in like a in like a sarcastic guilting of passerbys i mean in like a sob story sort of a thing and you can't make the sign too long they always have the sign i was in vietnam and then the helicopters and charlie and it all happened just gotta be like family's dead everyone's dead help you know just just a quick just a quick beg is you know seven words or less that's it Family's dead, everyone's dead, help. How about that? Or even like, dog died, you know, dog died, I'm crushed, please. You know, so it has to be, you know, maybe five words or less. But I think I could be not a good, because here's the thing, I'm not good at, at, at begging, I'm not good at asking for help, I'm not good at, at begging for money, so I think I'd have to like, do some sort of a thing where I could... Like, you know, it would be like a Showtime thing. I would need to do a performance of sorts in order to feel like I've gotten the money to pull it out of people. Now, I will say I might set up one of those like 
I'm a homeless like person in the park and come sit down here and talk to me about anything or I'll make fun of you. I'll just set up a roast booth, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I couldn't <laughs> can just be like, all right, guys. Like, How funny would that be, though? Now, that's a TV show. A homeless roast booth? You don't roast the homeless. That would be cruel. The homeless roast us. I mean... Well, that's better than that other show they're coming out with, the fucking The Activist, which I talk about on next episode, maybe, who knows. But, I mean, that would be such a great, that's a million-dollar idea. Pay the homeless to make fun of the wealthy, or even just the haves, and they can be the haves. That's what we'll call it. We'll have the haves and the have-nots, or something like that, or like, the haves get roasted. Some dumb. We'll figure out the, the YouTube thumbnail later. But it'll be catchy, you know, obviously. And then just have the home. Because what's the homeless guy going to do? He's going to rip apart everything about them. And what can you do? Nothing. It's doing the Eminem Papa Doc 8 Mile thing of like, yeah, I'm homeless. I got nothing to lose. What do you have to say about those bangs, Patricia? Like, that's the... Oh my God, would that shatter me as a person? If I sat down with a homeless guy and he just picked apart everything that I pretend to be, that's a million dollar idea. We're cooking. I might stop the podcast and go start producing that show. Call up Viacom. Get him on the line. Mm. That's it. That's what we'll do. Um, I, I found... I, something else I'll do during this show is I'll let you guys know things, little tricks that you can do to piss people off throughout, throughout your life, in a day-to-day life. I think that's a fun thing that I'm very good at that I can offer as advice to people. Because some people are like, I want to fuck with my friends, but I just don't know how, Mike. I'm just not the creative savant that you are. And it's fine if you are, but I would recommend this. And here's a trick. And nobody, don't tweet at him this, and don't message him this because I'm still currently doing this to him, and he doesn't know, and I don't want him to know. But I prank Bobby Kelly, and not in like a, I don't prank him, but it's just a fun thing, because I'm not filming it, it's not being released anywhere, it's just for me, Uh, which is if you want to piss somebody off, especially if they're a very, very busy person, and a father, like Robert Kelly, the comedian is, um, when I call him, when he picks up the phone, no matter what time of day it is, the later the better. If it's like any time after, if it's p.m., any time in the p.m. time, I'll call him at 2 p.m., right? He'll answer the phone. And every once in a while, he'll be like, hey, what's going on, buddy? I'll just immediately go, hey, what's going on? You sleeping? And just, just saying, are you sleeping, makes him so mad. I mean, it makes him so furious. He's like, no, I'm not fucking sleeping. What are you fucking? I have a kid. I've been up to 8 a.m. I'm fucking running around and doing this. And it just tilts it. And I'm like, oh, anyway, sorry. What's all, what's going on? And then you just change the subject. You just change the subject. Next time you want to talk to one of your parents or someone that you know, the busiest person you know, call them at uh at 12:30 p.m. And when they answer, go, hey, what's going on? You sleeping? And watch what happens. Watch what happens live with Andy Cohen because it is it is the most fun that just. And that's what I really love. As much as I like pranks and fucking with people, the jokes that are just for me are my favorite things in the world. I've been doing that to Bobby, I think, for like three years. And it is just, I don't do it every phone call because he would catch on. But like, you know, a few times uh, a year, I'll throw one of those in. And each time he reacts with, in 
vitriol and anger. And it is, it makes me so happy. So do that. You sleeping? Isn't that a good prank, Nicole? You know what's crazy is he does that to me. Like, he he has called me. I would say 75% of the times he calls me, he opens with, are you sleeping? No way. Is he doing my I thing? I swear to God. He's doing my thing. It's crazy. And you know what? I get mad, too. Of course it, you it get really mad. It really pisses me off. It's such a condescending thing to say to be like, are you sleeping? Because I'm awake and my day is going on right now. What's going on? But uh, that's so funny that he's using the sleeping thing now. <laughs> he must have caught on to it. Oh, that's so great. That's so funny. He's taking your material. But he does call early. He'll call me at like 8 a.m. sometimes. Yeah, he, he calls it at random times for sure. But mm. I, I have gotten that at times where I feel like, like you're saying, like 1230 should not be sleeping. Now, this next thing I want to talk about, I need to, before I even get into it, I need to preface it, preface this with a promise from Nicole. Okay, so Nicole, when I get into the thing that I'm about to get into, you got to promise that after hearing this, you don't change anything. You just keep doing what you're doing now. Agreed? What do you mean? With my performance so far? No, no, not in the, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with your performance here today. It has nothing to do with it. It's just, it's something that might be a part of your life that I don't want you to change. And you might want to change it after this. But you have to promise to not change it. Is this about my personality? No, no, God. <laughs> what kind of a monster do you think I am? Well, you're cornering me in this little room. I was like, maybe he's about to like roast me or something. No, 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 no. I'm not going to. It's nothing about a physical appearance or your emotional uh, project. It's nothing. It's none of these my things. My mental health. It's nothing about your. It's nothing about. Yeah, you'll see. But right, just I promise. perfect. Thank you. Now, people that have. Read receipts on. Um, I don't. I don't know why they do it. We'll get to why Nicole does it after this. But I gotta say, any person that has read receipts on number one, I assume it's a mistake because surely no human would want me to know when I see when they're reading something because it gives me all the power in the in the text message relationship if i know when you read something you can't ignore it because there it is you read it i i understand the part of they'll be like well but then you'll see i didn't read it but everyone knows if you go four hours without seeing something you probably are purposely not opening the message so it doesn't but really it's a it's a it's a gotcha it's a it's an evidence right here you saw it you read it and here's the thing i'll never tell them anybody who has read receipts and nicole had to hear this because she's producing the podcast Anybody, any one of my friends that have read receipts on, I have three that have read receipts on, I will never go like, hey, by the way, you have read receipts on. And I don't know, they might be like, yeah, of course, I have it on purpose because I guess I'm a crazy person. But if they, if they have it on, I don't tell them because I assume it's a mistake and I don't want them to know. Nicole, you have read receipts on. Would you like to plead your case? Yeah, but it's not going to be good because mine's solely for manipulative purposes. Interesting. Like, like I have it on so I can either say I didn't see your message and then just wait it out. And then when it says red, then they're like, okay, cool. She saw it now, even though maybe I did already see it. Right. Um, or formerly, it was maybe to make a point of like reading it, showing them I saw it and then not. 
acknowledging. Oh, it. so you're going the other way. I'm I'm thinking that I got the power, knowing that you saw it. You're telling me that you're giving, you're taking the power, showing that exactly when you saw it. Yeah, because I mean, it clearly bothers you. You know, it very so much does. That, yes, that's very much. Most does. the I feel like I have the power, like the leg up in that oh, situation. Oh shit! But but you ever read a text message from somebody? important let's say it's like somebody you admire you look up to like if i text you you know let's say you know someone someone like important texts you and then you're like fuck i gotta come up with the perfect response but you need some time sometimes sometimes you need 10 minutes 15 20 minutes to respond to a text if you're like i gotta make sure i say everything the right way now if you opened it and now they saw it took you 20 30 minutes to respond (laughs) You feel like you're obligated to immediately write back. And sometimes you write back in the heat of the moment. You say things you don't mean. Yep. I, I mean, I have nothing to say. Like, you're, 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 complete, you're completely right. You got to keep reading receipts off. It, it is it, embarrassing that like people can see how long it takes me to write like a mediocre response. But I mean. I feel like you're very quick. Like you're like, you like read it and then you're, you're already typing back. So, but maybe that's just because, you know, we haven't been in a fight yet. But um, it's coming. And. But I don't know. If you guys, if you have read receipts on, message me. Tell me why you have it on. And uh, if you're doing it for manipulative re- That's so funny, though, because here the non-read receipt people are thinking that we're manipulating you and we have the power. And there you are thinking that you're manipulating us delivered folks. Wow. You know, sometimes this topsy-turvy world just turns itself right upside down, huh, gang? Okay. <laughs> um, another thing that has been... A long-standing issue that I have with some men in society, and that is men who decide to button the top button of their shirt. Men who decide, and not wear a tie, okay? That they do this. They do this and walk around. And we've decided as a society that it's one or the other. It's button up, put on a tie, or pop it open and live your life. But this right here just is like, if you walk around like this, all I see is, hey, are you David Lynch? Did you direct Mulholland Drive? Is that why you're dressed like this? Are you a Britpop singer? Are you Franz Ferdinand, perhaps? Is that what you are? Is that why you're dressed like this and you're going to do? Because if not, go ahead and pop it open, all right? And some people will be like, no, you don't understand. That's the style. I've never seen somebody I respect with the top button buttoned. I'll just say that. I've never seen The Rock with the top button buttoned. I've never seen Brad Pitt with the top button buttoned. I've never seen Leonardo DiCaprio with the top button buttoned. And yet here these people are out here trying to make a fashion statement. That's almost like, you know when people try to just do something different, anything different? Like even when you wear a hat, you're like, maybe I'll tilt it three quarters of the way to the side. And that'll be like my fun little revolution that I'm having on my head right now. What do you think about the top button button, Nicole? Um, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I feel like that it's got to be undone. Because is it, as a woman, do you find it attractive? When it's unbuttoned? No, when it's buttoned. Oh, not at all. No. Not at all. So it's not doing anything for women. So what's going on? <laughs> I speak on behalf of everyone. If you speak on everyone, that's, that's what this podcast will be. Sweeping generalizations. <laughs> that should be the name of this podcast. Snarky sweeping generalizations. <laughs> now, I, I hate it and I want it to stop. And I want there to be 
a physical repercussion if someone in public has it and it's not on. I think you give them a warning like, hey, by the way, you know, the rules like you got to pop that up. And they're like, no, man, this is like how I wear my shirts. And we go, OK, cool. Then, you know, the deal crowbar to the knee. And then you just walk away. <laughs> you just you take your crowbar out. You swack it right to their knee, just on the side of the knee, just once, just but as hard as you can. And then you drop the crowbar so it makes that loud, dangly sound. It's also fun to drop a crowbar on the pers- in front of the person you just assaulted because you can walk away knowing that their leg is in pieces. So there's just no way they could even get retribution or some sort of revenge on you because they can't run toward you. So you can leave the object there and just kind of touch your hands. And then while they're holding their knee, screaming and rocking in pain, you walk up to them and you quickly just slide your couple two fingers in here and you go, and then you go, and then you go. There it is. Third time's a charm, folks. Sometimes the act out that's planned on the moment won't always work. But, you know, when it does, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I hate the top button buttons. I also want to talk about things that are happening in the news. Now, some of these, now, again, by the time this comes out, some of these might be a little bit dated, but fucking just deal with it, okay? You know, I mean, we were, there's only so much stuff to talk about in a given week. Why are, you, why are you getting on my ass when there's people walking around out there with the top button buttons, you know? So uh, the, where we are currently in the Brian Laundry, Gabby Patino world is... Nothing short of fascinating. And it's going to be a great documentary. So I don't think there's a person on the planet that's hearing this that isn't familiar. But for some reason, if you're not, uh, it is the story of a man and his fiance and their YouTubers. And they would backpack and travel around the country. And they were on this long cross-country trip. And then uh, they got into a fight. They got pulled over by the police. There was a huge hour-long body cam footage problem with it. Then he comes, the, a couple days later, whatever, he comes back, returns home after this long trip without his fiance, and is home, I think, for 10 days, and nobody's like, hey, where's the fiance? Hey, where's the person that you were with the whole time? How come they're not here anymore? And then they eventually go, we should file a missing persons report. They file it. And then the police are like, you know what? You're a person of interest. We'd like to talk to you. And then he runs away. And now people are going, well, we don't know. We don't know if he did it, but we do think he's a person of interest. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sure he is. I mean, he's he's the only person of interest is what should be. Because if if you... If, if your fiance disappears and you come home from a trip alone and then they go to ask you a question and you run into the swamps and hide, if you're running into the Everglades to evade police, que- they're not even arresting you. They just have questions like, where's your fiance? Then you've clearly, clearly killed her. Now, that's not a big revelation, I don't think. I don't think that's a giant conclusion to jump to. I don't even think that's a particularly newsworthy thing to say. But what is bothering me is that the parents told the police, you know, apparently they're kind of helping the son. They're aiding and abetting the son. They kind of withheld information. 
They waited a long time to talk to the police. They've kind of been a little sketch, and people are mad at the parents. And to those people, I would say, what's wrong with you? Uh, of course, if I, I don't have a kid, uh, but of course I would aid and abed my child if he potentially murdered someone. He's my kid, you know? Why would it? people are like, I can't believe these parents, they are so guilty. It's like it, anyone who says they wouldn't do it is a bad parent, I think. That's, that's the true. If you wouldn't help aid and abed your child uh, on suspicion of murder, you're a terrible parent. Not even whatever you did to raise them to become a murderer. It's your fault for not helping them escape it. I don't have a kid. I have a dog. And if my dog murdered someone and the cops came and they were like, where's Jeet the dog? I'd go, he fled to Canada. And then when they started going to Canada, I'd take Jeet out of the closet I had him hiding in and I'd go, go to Mexico. And then I'd slap him on the ass with a $500 bill under his, under his leash and he'd get all the way down to Mexico. Is there a $500 bill? I don't think so, but he'll have it because I want him to be good because I'm a good parent, you know? Nicole, would you not defend your kid and hide them? Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I'd have to say yes, especially if it were Jeet. I would protect him. Everybody's going to protect Jeet. I mean, come on. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's the best. But I would, you know, again, you're like, it depends, obviously. Again, sweeping generalizations. But I mean, if he's, if he's, if, if, if my kid raped 46 people, you know, if he really Cosby'd a bunch of, of women, then it's like, you know what? I'll take a mulligan on this kid. My bad. Go ahead and get him. I'll, I'll try it again. But you can't, if it's one murder, one measly murder. I mean, come on. What are we doing here? <laughs> All right. That'll get me in trouble. Um, some of these, I, I also, am really, we're going to record another episode and I'm just realizing now, Nicole, the, the problem that will be me this second episode <laughs> when we have another drink. Um, all right. Got to step chewing ice into the mic. Can't do it. What do we got next here? Um, this is something that I will never let uh, the, this show be. And that is a podcast that does it in seasons. I don't know... What asshole came up with that idea of like, let's release your podcast in seasons? And my question to them would be, uh, are you a TV show? Are you, the, are you The Simpsons? Are you Game of Thrones? You're not. Oh, okay. And I can't find your podcast on Apple TV or Amazon Prime or Hulu or any of the Netflix, any of the, no? Well, then go ahead and stop calling them seasons. It's just your episode. This is a... This thing comes out when it comes out. It just is it. I don't like the seasons aspect of it. I don't know why. They tried to add value and importance to it. I don't think anybody listening will care about this besides me, but that might also be what this show slowly becomes is things that bother just Mike and Mike alone. And that's why there's a camera here, and that's why I yell into it for an hour a week. It's to figure out what things we can have commonality on that we hate together and what things... Mike needs to keep inside. And so with the podcasts, uh, do you listen to any podcasts that are in seasons, Nicole? Um, I don't think so, but only if I did, it's purely like contract based. 
Oh. Like some of that's like the reason why some of them do it and will actually like say that on the air. Well, now here's the thing. I'm not one of these big Hollywood types, you know, that knows about podcast contracts and uh, renewing for season two, which, of course, now that you're saying that makes me feel quite a fool um, because that's the only reason that someone would be doing podcasts in season. But you know what? It isn't because I know, a per- you know what? This is just about one person. <laughs> I know a particular stand-up comedian who's just okay, and they do their podcast in seasons, and I know for a fact they record it in their living room. And so, fuck that person. How about that? That's the name of that segment. Fuck that one person, and everybody else makes total sense why you do it in seasons. Oh, God damn it. Oh, this is going to unravel quick. That's a great segment, though. Can we keep that going moving forward? Yes, fuck that person. <laughs> Absolutely. And also, let's do um, an opposite to that, which is uh, leave that person alone. <laughs> That's another segment I want to do, which is a segment of me defending someone who I think people need to leave alone. And this week, now that we're just talking about it off the top of my head, is going to be Fred Durst. Leave that man alone. Leave Fred Durst alone. What has he done besides provide joy for a lot of people, okay? I've said this so many times. We talked about this on Here's a Scenario. Please listen to that, available everywhere. Uh, Fred Durst, Limbiscuit in general, they never took themselves seriously. Yes, they were like a rap, rock, rock group, new metal, whatever the hell you want to call them, early 2000s, and... Frankly, their first two albums are great. And I will defend them, those first two albums, to the death. Third album, good, good. You know, everything after that, I don't associate with. But great, okay? First two albums, great. You never heard anything like that. It's crunchy. It's like it embodies that Florida fucking uh, house party keg on the back of a pickup truck. Let's get drunk. Let's maybe fucking start fighting and have fun and be silly. Fred Durst, is, he, he never takes himself seriously. He's always like fun, but then he knows how to express anger. They're, they're, they're incredible live. Yes, they started, I guess, a pretty substantial riot at Woodstock. But I mean, that just goes to show, if you can rally, how could you say a, bad, a band is bad that rallies a few hundred thousand people into burning down civilization? I mean, that is... Pretty fantastic. Jimi Hendrix didn't do that, okay? Jimi Hendrix, like, fucking played the Star Spangled Banner and everyone was like, whoa, America. But no one went out and bought even so much as a flag pin after that. Fred Durst is like, break stuff. And they're like, right now? And he's like, fucking break stuff. And they're like, we'll light it on fire. We'll just break, we'll burn it all right here if you want us to. We'll break it. And he was like, break your fucking face tonight. And then they were all like, give me something to break. And then they all just started breaking stuff. And that, is awesome, okay? I understand that the damage was done and there was just so much sexual assault at the, at the other woods. But that's not Fred's fault, you know? Fred said to break stuff, not break people, you know? And so leave that person alone, Fred Durst. That's, that's that person. Um, what a great segment. This show writes itself, folks, on the air as we're doing the first episode. <laughs> uh, and please, um, again, as a reminder, Leave a five-star review. Uh, you know, follow us across social media. And it's probably just going to be on... I'm probably not going to make social media things for it. But 
just, you know, follow me and, uh, you know, tell some friends about Snarky. And, uh, you know, obviously listen to Here's a Scenario as well. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash scenario pod. You, you can go and join on that for as little as $5 a month. And you get these episodes early. Not only that, but I ask our Patreon members questions that I will specifically answer uh, and just do a private, like extra probably 15 to 20 minutes of just stuff like that for the Patreon. So if you're enjoying this, you'll love that. Not to mention all the hundreds of hours of content we put on Here's a Scenario's uh, Patreon. It's crazy. I mean, it's like there's no three comedians doing more for less than us. So just get on there and uh, again, and tell some friends about this. And please submit things to me that you want me to rant about, things that you think might make me angry, even if they don't make you angry. Or if you have an idea for now, what is the new greatest segment I've ever heard? Fuck that person and then leave that person alone. Um, that's you, you submit the people to me and I'll talk about them because now um, my brain, I kind of want that to be the show. I have a lot of people that I want to say, fuck that person. And then I want to say, leave that person alone too. So this is going to be great. Um, now, I do like this, this legal pad. I got to tell you, Nicole, it's making me feel very official. I'm feeling like I should be charging people, you know, the minutes by doing this. Yeah, Feels- it looks great. I, if you could probably do like an aggressive check off as you go too, or like yes. a little scratch out. Yeah, a little. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got more stuff. To, I mean, this is great. We got a, we got so much stuff to talk about, and a lot of these things are things that I. I am, I am an observer. What is a comedian but a social observer? Isn't that the worst when comedians like talk about themselves and like, a, listen, man, I'm not part of your society. I'm just here to kind of take a macro view and be like, isn't that thing that we all do a little bit out of the ordinary? You know, um, <laughs> you know so, but I am very, very obsessed with advertising and not in like, you know, and I've watched all of Mad Men. But I am obsessed with ads, radio ads, TV ads, because it's it's a huge, huge amount of a company's budget is spent on advertising. And so much of it, oh, 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 so much of it is terrible. And I don't know who approves these messages like sometimes you'll see a commercial for like a you know a a local a local tv ad for a, a, a you know for a, a lawyer like there's one that plays of like a lawyer who's i don't know what his previous life was a bouncer perhaps or a boxer but he's like a gray-haired guy who's an italian who's like in a boxing ring and he's like i'll fight for you and he's like taking sw- he's like 50 and out of shape he's like i'll you know, give the, I'll give the competition, you know, a one, two right here, you know, and just like, and he just, he, it's so bad. And you're like, this is obviously this man's dream was to be like, let, put me in a boxing ring. Give me my Rocky moment. But who, who let that, who let that happen? That they were like, Hey, does he have no one in his life? That's like, you can't, this isn't a good idea. You're going to look very, very foolish. You know, there's a commercial that I want to talk about that I, I, I'll eventually, I'll have to, I guess, get a clip before I ever talk about it. But there's this other, these, these drug commercials that is, they're just, they're just the word. They're so fun. There's, I would encourage you next time you're watching TV and the ads come on, watch every commercial break and write down how many of the commercials not are like funny or just like are good or not even good are 
fine, are worth being commercials. Because some of them are like, uh, you know, a guy at a general store in Nebraska, and he's like walking in with his friend, and he goes, hey, you know what they say about hot pretzels? It's all in the salt. And then they both laugh, and they go, are you guys talking about uh, AFib, you know, the defibrillating method that of the medication that could lower your heart rate? And they're like, we weren't, but what's that mean? And then they're like, well, it's so glad you asked because you could help lower your overall cholesterol while helping. And you go, wow, and there's no side effects? And they go, there are, but they're pretty mild, in fact. And then they have a little person say all the things, and you go, just hire somebody who knows how to write exposition, not in the most obnoxious and obvious way possible. But all of this to say, there are sometimes good ones that I'm like, this is good because here I am talking about it. But it's a bold approach. But I kind of fucking like it. And that is Impossible Burgers. Uh, They are the meatless burgers. And they've been trying, you know, for a while. They started out very, I think, smart. Because they marketed to their audience. Which is, you know, the vegans, the vegetarians. Like, hey, look at us. We're meatless. But we kind of look like a burger, right? I bet you miss burgers because we all know even though you're a vegan or a vegetarian and you may not support the slaughter of animals, you know you fucking miss that taste. You know you fucking miss how good a goddamn burger is. So we made this concoction that kind of looks, and if you put enough cheese and lettuce and tomato and condiments and buns and you deep fry everything, it, you almost wouldn't tell instantly that it's not a burger. Uh, so we came up with these impossible burgers. And then that you know probably grew as large as it could grow. Uh, in terms of their popularity. So now they had to start converting us as meat eaters. And the way they tried to do it was like, give it a shot. You know, like you'd be surprised. And we were all like, we would be surprised because that that's like beet juice, fuck off. You know, like everyone was like, it's a hard pass on the Impossible Burgers. Thank you very much. And then they just went for broke. And their new campaign that I saw was a billboard when I was driving and it was an impossible burger and it looked really delicious. You know, they had the lettuce and all the condiments on it and stuff. And they said, uh, we're not chicken, are you? And it's like, okay. (laughs) Okay, impossible burger, I see you. You're gonna neg me into going vegetarian? What a fun, are you a homeless guy asking me for money and then being like, cool, I'll just stay hungry then? Is that your marketing slogan? Is that, is that who wrote it? Because who wrote that copy? Because that, to me, is kind of a cool approach because a part of me, a little part of me, has a thing where I'm like, no, I'm not fucking chicken and I'll fucking eat it and I'll fucking show you that it is tastes like shit and then I'll probably try it and love it and then I'll be hooked on it for the rest of my life. But I kind of love the idea of nagging meat eaters, you know, because you think of you think of like, you know, vegetarians and not even vegetarians so much, but as, you know, like the impossible burgers. It's always like, you know, it's like a soy boy beta cut kind of thing or whatever. You know, I don't know why that is. But but I like now they're just like, hey, try soy or are you a little bitch and you don't want to try it? I'm like, I'll fucking try soy. I'll fucking I'll eat some fucking soy right now. Do you goddamnly tempt me with the soy? I'll fucking eat the soy, bro. Don't fucking come at me with your fucking bullshit. I don't know. I feel like it's a, it's a good slogan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Aperol Spritz is working. Mm.
I've never heard you speak like that. It was really crazy. What? Just like full jock bro. <laughs> yeah, full jock bro? Come on, bro. I only called people bro. Growing up in Long Island, it took me uh, a long time to break out of the bro habit. I was full bro. Eventually, I met enough Canadians in my life that now I started calling people buddy uh, and, uh, and man a lot. But bro was my... Come on, bro. That was my fucking. I always would call people that. I even would go with. I, I got a got you know. I got into a lot of like jam, not jam bands, but like surf beach bands and stuff. So I would say bruh a lot of times. But then, uh, or even uh, I would say a brother was a was a big thing too. But I never meant it in like the like b r o t h a like. What's up, my brother? Like a white guy trying to be Malibu's most wanted. It was never like that. It was like a surfing kind of like, like Hawaiian brother kind of a thing like that, which I'm not saying is better. Arguably much, much worse. But it is funny because I had typed uh, on a, it's so funny that you said that. I was typing on somebody that, uh, a, com- a comedian that I know, uh, African-American comedian, got a, a high-profile show or a gig or something, and I just said, uh, congrats, brother. I said that because I always say that to people. I call everybody brother. Brother, brother, something. And then one of my other friends that I was talking to was like, brother? <laughs> Yikes, dude. You're calling a black guy brother? And I'm like, no, I don't mean it like that. I'm just saying, I'm like, it's, 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 it's my brother. What are you talking about? If anything, I'm pulling him close. He's, he's familial, you know? That's what it is. Don't make me feel bad about it. Now I gotta be like, hey, Buddy, congrats, man. I got to fucking do these goddamn stupid platonic brevities because you guys won't let me get close to anybody. This is your fault. Fuck that person that said that to me. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, had a, went, did a comedy show, and this woman... You know, uh, I, I'll talk to people in the crowd sometimes, especially on a long set. It's fun to get to know some people. A lot of magic happens in those moments. And I'm talking to this woman, and she says she's a teacher. And it gets a, an ovation, the likes of which I hadn't got yet throughout my set, which already is, like, maddening. But whatever, you know, I get it. And so she says she's a teacher. And so I only have one follow-up question, which is a very good bouncing-off point, I think, which is, what grade do you teach? Because that's important, you know? And I know how to gauge how much I should respect you based on what you do. If you say, I am a special needs teacher for high school students who are trying to graduate and go on to college, I'm like, that must be incredibly challenging. That's a, you're a very giving person. That's very uh, commendable and good for you, you know? Even if you're a high school teacher in general, high schoolers, I mean, every, is there a, you find me a 14 to 18 year old that you don't want to mow over with a car. Just find me one that isn't so annoying or self-absorbed or sophomoric in their life or annoying or dismissive of you that you don't just want a fucking Hyundai Sonata over their legs and just be like, now this is the rest of your life, you know? And I'm not advocating for killing children, but I'm just saying, if all things being equal, you'd hit them. You know, you'd hit them like a speed bump and you wouldn't look back. But meanwhile, I asked this woman what she teaches, and she says, 
pre-K. Pre-K. So, you know, not a teacher. Uh, not really a teacher at all, are you? I mean, and you know, if you do it, that's great. But don't, you can't say teacher without prefacing. You got to lead with, I'm a preschool teacher. Then we know like, oh, almost, you know, like we can kind of get on that wagon. But if you come right out and you go, I'm a teacher, clap, 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 clap. And I teach preschool. Oh, what are you, how, what, are, what are you teaching? The preschool. What exactly? What's the curriculum? What's what? Can I see the syllabus you got? Let's see. Nine to nine fifteen. Play with blocks. <laughs> nine fifteen to nine thirty. Ask them to put away the blocks. Nine thirty-five. Give up and put the blocks away yourselves because they're children and they don't listen. So if your job can be done by a child's gate, you know, if your job is just kind of wrangling them and you can just kind of have that Rugrats playpen that you can kind of just put them in and just let them go to town and do whatever the kids do. I don't feel like you, you, teacher is the word. Babysitter is great and also a, a hard job. And I'm not even saying being a preschool teacher is an easy job. I'm just saying you're not a teacher. You know, like you're, you're, you're a, a high level babysitter. Maybe the highest level you could be because you're teaching in the academia of the world, but you're you're not teaching anything? What if, I can't remember anything that I learned in kindergarten or first grade, let alone what I learned in pre, do you learn anything in pre-K, Nicole? I don't think so. Pre-K is just, my parents have gone back to work and they needed a place to drop me off for four <laughs> hours and they want to make sure I'm not a social psycho when I grow up and need to be around other children from an early age. This is what I'm doing. I'm in pre-K. I think that's what that, that's all pre-K is. So, you know, if you're a pre-K teacher, good for you. Keep doing it. But call yourself a teacher. That'd be like, you know, I've, uh, I've, I've put out some fires in my day. You know, I've had a fire. I've had a barbecue that I put the grill cover on or I've, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had a, a bonfire that I've put out. I don't call myself a fireman so much when I walk around. I don't just say, hey, you know, I got the mustache. I'm, I'm New York's bravest. I don't, I just kind of live my life as that guy, you know? So think about it is all I'm saying when next time. When next time? When next time you talk about it to me in a show? Um, man, this second episode, Nicole's going to get silly. <laughs> um, full disclosure, just of what's going on. So we have, we have, we're, we're recording an episode now. This will be the first episode that comes out. Then we have a second episode that we already recorded. And boy, oh boy, you're going to love it. So now we're going to do a third episode after this. So we're going to see if in two weeks from now, you see this just take in knowing that that whole episode is done after a full Aperol spritz and then, you know, a second one on top of that. So it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, and I wanted to, I guess, kind of pull into the station here today with a story that I just remembered yesterday happened to me, which was, um, you know, uh, I, I was doing another podcast and someone brought something up and it reminded me of the story that to me was such a joy. And I, I'm happy to share it with you guys. So my day job before doing stand-up full-time is that I was uh, a beer salesman. So I would, which by the way, pretty fucking 
great gig as a day job. As day jobs go, being in bars all day long, drinking free and limited beer in your 20s, not bad. Um, but some of the other perks is that you get to go to beer festivals sometimes. So one of the breweries I worked for, they sent us to uh, Denver, Colorado for the Great American Beer Festival. Festival? Festival. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> G-A-B-F is what it's known in the industry as. And uh, they sent us to that. And that's a huge festival. There is, I mean, I think like a thousand breweries or something crazy that go there. And they all set up. They take over this huge, it's like bigger than the Javits Center. They take over this huge, huge uh, thing in downtown Denver. Uh, this arena, and then they, you know, they have booths in every single breweries there, and they come with their beers, and so people from all across the world come and try breweries that they never heard of, or do, and then they also give out medals, and the medals are like pretty, they're weighted pretty importantly. Like if you get a uh, a gold medal at Great American Beer Festival for, let's say, the IPA that your brewery has made, it could put you on the map. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a career building thing. It's huge, right? So. I'm there with uh, this brewery that I work for, and my buddy, who I had met through beer, who worked at another brewery, was also there. So we're having a good time. Uh, we're drinking together. We both live in Queens, but you know, here we are in Denver. So we're out, and we're just kind of tying one on. And I'm with, we're with a bunch of beer people, and you know, we're in Denver. The night gets away from us. We're drinking, we're smoking. Who knows what's going on? I don't see my buddy for hours, for hours and hours and hours in a city that he and I have both never been to. So cut to, I don't know, probably midnight, 1 a.m. I'm out on like the patio section of this bar, a bunch of people smoking cigarettes or whatever. I'm just out there chilling. And down the street walks a group of people. I'm talking like maybe 20 people all walk kind of like a school, like a little sea of fish walking down the sidewalk together, all in their early 20s, all like hammered, okay? And, but they are walking with a purpose, so they're going somewhere. And as they walk by, I see my buddy Tim, who I, you know, know and live in Queens with, who's just in this school of fish of people with his hands in his pockets. He's not talking to anybody, but he's in the group. He's just in the circle. And I'm looking and I go, I don't know any of these people. And I don't think he knows any of those people. So I look at it and I go, Tim? And then he looks over at me and goes, oh, hey. And then walks out of the school of people that they kept walking because they don't know who he was. I don't know how. He might have been walking with them for hours, for all I know. But he was with them. Now he left them. And he comes up to me. I go, where the hell have you been? We've been calling you. Where are you? He's like, my phone's dead, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, whatever. The fuck. I'm drunk. And I go, uh, maybe maybe it's time to go home, pal. You know, you look a little, you look a little in the bag. And he's got that, like, you know when someone's giving you the... My someone's pulling my nose down to earth and I'm trying to look up through the top of my eyes, kind of drunk. He was that, he was blacked out. And he looks at me and in such a moment of vulnerability, he goes, Mike, Mike, he goes, don't, don't make fun of me. Be honest with me. How much money would you think it would cost to take a cab back to Queens right now? And I go, well... Tim, uh, we are in Denver, Colorado. So 
like $5,000 probably is what I would do. It's going to be a lot. And I said $5,000, and I swear to God, his reaction was, whew, that's a ripoff. And then walked <laughs> away again. And he just walked away. I don't know. I don't know where he was. He going to walk back to Queens. I don't know. But his whole plan was to get into a cab and be like, take me to Queens and then just wake up in the morning when they're, you know, driving through Cleveland, I guess it would be. But I stopped him from getting in a cab. But my man was getting a cab back to Queens level drunk. And that's a level of drunk I've never been at where I've been like, I'm halfway across the country. But but I do know that feeling when you're that drunk and you're like, I, and you're in another city, in a foreign city, and you don't know where your hotel is, your phone doesn't work, you're, and you're just like, I would pay so much money to be in my own bed tonight. I'll do anything except pay $5,000 for an Uber. But it, if I had that money, it would be fucking worth it. Nicole, have you ever been that drunk? That I tried to Uber back to Brooklyn from a different state? Yes. Um, I don't think so. Well, look at you, huh, Miss Self Control. Well, it's I wouldn't say it's self control. I'd say it's more like poverty. Like I've definitely been that drunk, but not oh. to the point where I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. down, I'm down to just like, drop five k to get into my bed right now. Yeah, you get drunk and you're like, guys, 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 don't make fun of me right now. <laughs> How much would it be to take an Uber pool back to Brooklyn right now? <laughs> you just try to find the cheapest option, guys. How many subways would I have to take? And is the L train running to get back to Queens and Bushwick? Um, everybody, that's the show. Thank you very much for watching. This has been episode one of Snarky with Mike Feeney. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I had a great time. This feels very fun. Nicole, how do you feel about the show? Was this a good one, you think? Yeah, I feel great about it. You this did a great, great job. If you guys enjoyed it, um, please, you know, let me know. Leave a review, like I said, and tell some friends. So it'll be great. And follow us on social media. Uh, I am Mike Feeney Comedy, MikeFeeneyComedy.com for all my dates. And Nicole, where can people follow you? Uh, Nicole C. Lyons on Instagram and NicoleLyons.co is my website. .co. Very, very business-like. Good for you. .com was taken, so it was Oh, more right. Like a... I forgot about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, just don't tell people that going forward. Go ahead and just let people think you're more important. Um... Until next week, everybody. Thanks for watching. See you.